Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 13 of For Your Eyes O-Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Choroki Sentai O-Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of this show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today, bud? I'm doing really well. Nice. I, uh, I've been catching up on some sleep this Ooh, week. Ooh, very nice. Which is awesome. Are you updating that's, this that's it. That, no, that's awesome enough for me, dude. That's <laughs> like getting to sleep for a couple of days uh, really makes this a, a pretty banner week. Yeah, man, I can dig it. Um, that sounds wonderful. You know what else sounds wonderful, Dave? What else sounds wonderful, Matt? Is that today we're watching episode 13 of Cherokee Sentai Ranger. Uh, it is called Illusion, the Dog of the Gods. Uh, but before we get into that, hmm. Dave, as always, there are five stars shining in the heavens. What is our first star of the week? So the first star of the week, Matt, is that it's it's Super Bowl Sunday. Happy football, Sunday, Dave. Sunday. Yeah, happy football, Um, I guess. You know, football isn't my thing, but if it's your thing, I hope you have a great day. Congratulations. Congratulations on the football, guys. Um, All right, here, wait. Check this out. Check this out. Matt, I got a great idea. Sure, go for it. Here we go. Mark, I'm going to need you to fix this. In post. Ready? Okay. And, uh, you know, congratulations to the Philadelphia Eagles. Called it. Called it. We're recording before the game even started. Called it for the Eagles. Uh, you guys are great. There are actually two players in the Eagles team, Matt, that are uh, alumna, alumni of the school at which I teach. Oh, really? Yeah. How cool is that? Okay, Dave, I okay. think we got that clean. Do you want to do another take with uh, the yeah, other yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, ready? Sure, sure, sure. And in three, two, two one, one, sink. All right, Matt, right now we're recording this before the game starts, and I'm, I gotta say, I'm calling it for the Pats. Hey, man, they, I mean, uh, listen, it's not, it's, it's a pretty safe bet. They do pretty yeah. well in this thing. The, the, the biggest, the biggest game of all. Yeah, this. The pinnacle of football. Yes, the showcase of yeah. the immortals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but right now I, uh, it you really know, is I did sort a of the WrestleMania before. of football. I'm calling it for the Pats. I, I think they're going to make it a sex peep. Have they won five times already? I don't actually. I, I don't, don't actually know. Probably that seems that seems likely. That seems like an, an appropriate number of times that they would have won the game. So let me. I just want to say one real quick thing, Matt. Uh, about wait a second mark let me jump back a sec was that clean was that clean audio did you get that and then you just grab whichever one yeah, yeah works yeah. and then we'll move on okay ready cool and so anyways yeah so anyways uh i was i was on facebook and uh-huh. i saw the new york times and they posted an article for buffalo wings they're like okay. check it out here's because you know like it's game day right have some buffalo wings and I stopped reading after two seconds. Okay. Because the recipe was more like I didn't even look at how many steps there like I didn't even look at what the steps were, but there were more than two. Like more than two ingredients and therefore yeah, that is not how you do it. Yeah, more than two ingredients and more than two steps. So that's not how you do it. Just here, let me let me learn you something real quickly, guys. If you don't already know this, 
listen, first of all, eat whatever wings you want. Wings are delicious, kind of however you prepare them. But if you want authentic buffalo wings, here we go. Ready? You don't even need to get a piece of paper for this. Fry the wings. Yes. Toss those wings in Mm -hmm. a mixture of butter, melted butter, and Frank's Red Hot. That's it. You did it. That's the whole recipe. Now you've got wings. Now you've got wings. If you want to, I like this. I like to put my wings in the oven just for like a second. Not a second. For like a few minutes to let that sauce sort of like soak in and dry up a little bit because I don't love a super saucy wing. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, and actually I realized why I like my wings that way, Matt. The reason is, is that when you get the wings from the pizza joint, by the time they have gotten to your house, like that's the state the wings are in. And so that's what I grew up eating. So that's what I like. Oh yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So that's how you do buffalo wings. Again, you eat your wings however you want. Yeah, you get that barbecue, get that garlic parmesan, do whatever you want to do. But yeah, uh, but if you want, don't fool yourself, folks. Right? Yeah, just don't don't make up a thing and say words have meanings, guys. Words mean <laughs> things. Uh, so, anyways, Matt. Yeah. So enjoy the Super Bowl. Um, I feel pretty confident in our predictions. Mm-hmm. So, um, what, Matt, is our Second star of the week. Dave, second star of the week is something that I I had felt confident about, uh, but that confidence eroded more quickly than I am comfortable admitting. Um, <laughs> so on... This could apply to... Okay, I hope this is about something super, super trivial, because if it's not, this is going to get really dark. Oh, no, Dave. It is about the most trivial thing. It is, in fact, about trivia. Oh, um, okay, great. So I was out on Monday night with a friend of mine, and we decided to go to a place that I'm not typically at on a Monday night. Uh, so I did not realize that Monday night at the Happy Dog in on the west side of Cleveland is trivia night. Ooh. Hmm. Okay. Now, I've got Dave, mixed feelings on bar trivia, to I was be honest say, with are, you. Are you. Are you a bar trivia guy? Because I feel like I could go either way. I, no, I know you don't go I'm out as a, much uh... these days anymore, but... No, I'm a karaoke guy. Like, if I'm going to do an activity at a bar that isn't, like, sit with friends and drink, then I'm, a, I'm karaoke over trivia. Okay. Me personally. Um, I, I do like the idea of bar trivia, but the problem is it was just my friend and I there. Like, other people were at tables with five or six people. But... Oh, yeah, no. People get real serious. Oh, there yeah. are teams. Oh, yes. Uh, and, like, it was... We realized after we got there that it was actually sort of a rotten night to be out because, like, it was snowing pretty badly. Mm. So before trivia had started, there was basically no one in the bar. Right before trivia started, like, 40 people showed up. Oh, okay. So you were already in trouble because these people are clearly there for trivia. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were outclassed before we started. Um, But we looked at each other. We're like, listen, like, I have two degrees. I think she has three. Um, Like... We're, you know, we could probably at least hold our own on this. Um, yeah, and what yeah we, that's, a, that's a reasonable assumption to make if you do not already do a lot of bar trivia. Sure, that is classic bar trivia hubris, is what that is. <laughs> and so we, we go up to, I, I, I went up to pick up the sheets, and like a lot of bar trivia uh, things, it starts with a picture round. Like, here's, you know, ten pictures, identify as many as, many of them as you can. Okay. Um, and these were ten pictures of different people named Mike. Um, and we got, like, four or five of them. And the guy who was handing me the paper was like, listen, um, just so you know, like, 
the first round is kind of the easiest. So if you don't already get most of the things in the picture round, you're like you're you may just want to like, dip. Yeah, you might just want to like chill out and like, enjoy the festivities um, as a spectator. Um, like not being a dick, just sort of letting us know um, <laughs> like what this, we were getting dude, ourselves in for. I've been to like a handful of trivia nights. Never has somebody rolled up on me and been like, "Hey, uh, you look new. Just be aware." We do not kid around. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, you know, we get four or five of them. We're like, yeah, well, you know, some of these were, um, you know, like famous uh, sports celebrities. And I don't know, know as many of those. So we're probably going to be fine in the later rounds. Uh, Dave, we were not fine in the later rounds. <laughs> we, we turned in the sheet for the second round. For the rest of the rounds, we continued to, like, write down what we thought our answers would be. But we stopped handing it in because we just didn't want to go through the shame of it. I am just, well, now I'm deeply curious as to what kind of questions you're being asked. Oh, I mean, I mean, honestly, Dave, I, I, I barely remember because they were impenetrable to me. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, I assume they're not history or library related questions. No, um, they were not. The, the one that I think we did best on was, um, like, various people who are, like, Captain something. So the trivia question and answers were all, like, Captain Crunch, Captain Kangaroo, Captain America. Ah, uh, okay. That sort yeah, of yeah, stuff. Yeah, got it. Um, but even those, like, we got six out of ten, and that was our best round by far. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like, bar trivia is one of those things, like, any competition that happens in a bar, like, pool or darts or... Like those little bowling games you see sometimes in a bar. Like, I love any bar competition, and I am rotten at all of them, and it is forever a heartbreak to me. Uh, <laughs> well, Matt, Matt, I'm sorry. Uh, I think the only consolation is that, you know, there is a, uh, there's a certain amount of time that needs to be dedicated to anything to get good at it, and it, there is a way in which... It's okay to maybe not be great at those things. Okay, I mean, listen, that is true. On the other hand, I did just spend that time, like, getting good at Mario Odyssey. So it's not as though I, I have, you know, it's probably about a wash, oh, frankly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've mentioned this caveat before, but I LARP. So I, like, I have no uh, pedestal from which to look down at anybody else's <laughs> hobby. Just, anyways, so uh, Matt, aside from your crushing defeat, what is our third star of the week? Third star of the week, Dave, this is a quick one, is um, the other day I was getting a haircut. Um, cool. That's hilarious. Well, okay. Yes, sure. That's fair. Give me a second, though. Um, so I go and get my haircut, and I... Uh, I the, the place I get my haircut is like literally around the corner from where I live. And this is not a humor star. This is just a anecdote and like quality of life thing. Right. Oh, do you not go to that? Uh, do you not go to your friend anymore? I do. Uh, she has a thing. Like she works at a place that is now closer to where I am. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Um, which is great because, like, the other day I got my haircut. Um, and as you said, like I've been getting my haircut <laughs> by the same person for a haircut. You say. Dave, I swear to you, I'm just trying to get through this anecdote. Um, get the haircut. Okay, are we, are we good? 
Have yeah, you, finished, you finished busting a gut, the, pal? Continue the joke. <laughs> um, I get the haircut. I get home, and I realize that it's like marginally off. Like my part was like a millimeter to the wrong side, which meant there were like ten hairs that were just way too long. Okay. Yep. And I look at this and I think like, ah, oh, crap. So I just give him a call up back and I say, hey, like, have you started your next appointment yet? Can I just swing in? And so I literally, I did not even get in my car. I just put my coat back on. I ran to the haircut place, like literally sort of like jogged over. And if you know how long it takes for me to get winded jogging, you will know about how far this place is from my apartment. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's only funny for me. I don't know how literally anybody else listening to this would know that. Uh, so I sit down. It's not long. I, I, I show up and I sit down and they're like, okay, yeah, like just hang on a second. I do not even, they do not even bother having me take my coat off. They just sort of like throw the haircut shawl like over my coat. Uh, I sit down. She spends another like 30 seconds like trimming up the hair. And now it's great. And I get to go home. And I just, as I was walking home, I thought, yeah, that's probably a star. I didn't have a lot else going on this week. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, living in, hey, this is actually, this is just like another life advice thing you can consider this part of like the dave world product like line of life advice dude living in a walkable neighborhood where like you do not need to get in your car to get to like every little thing like listen living out a ways also has its own unique charms but i live across the street from a grocery store and it rules oh yeah it's life-changing they're building a grocery store around the corner from where i live now um like actually right across the street from where this haircut place is uh, and nice. I could not be more excited about it. Oh, yeah, man. Like, not having to get in your car for every little thing. It's so good. It's so good. I don't even get in my car to go to work. Mm. Yeah, it's very good. So, anyways, uh, what, Matt, is our fourth star of the week? Dave, when I get in my car to go to work, because I do not live that close to my office, um, I... do. nobody lives that close to your office. I've driven by your office. That's it's like true. a weird corporate hellscape. It's, it's, it's fine. It's just no, it's like out in the bo- it's out in the burbs. Um, but my car is sort of in that weird uh, limbo where it doesn't have like an auxiliary port or like a place you can plug in the USB, oh, and it doesn't too. have no. a um, a tape deck or like a Bluetooth thing. The only thing it has is like a CD player and the radio, right? Yeah, no, it's in that, my car is the same way. It's in Mm -hmm. that limbo where it was like, it's just CDs and there's no way to like access it. Right. Yeah. There's no way to get the sound out of my phone and into my car speakers. So what I did is I got like a cheap little like $10, $12 radio adapter. I plug it into the headphone jack. Um, and it does like a shortwave radio transmission to my car so that I can then play it on the radio, right? Right. I've been using these things for years. They're pretty good. But the other day, I got to work. I pulled the thing out of my headphone jack. I pack up my car. I go into the office. I pull my phone out, and I go to put my headphones in. And my headphones only go about halfway into the headphone jack. Now, if you've ever put anything into a headphone jack, you know that's not right. That's not right. Um, and so I, I try to like sort of angle my phone towards a light so I can kind of see into the headphone jack. I realize that what has happened is that the post that I that plugs into the jack from that radio adapter has broken in half 
and the half of it is just lodged into my headphone jack. Oh no! I know because I mean the problem. There's a number of problems with this, but ultimately the problem is like I gotta have I gotta have either my podcast or my tunes while I'm working, or I will literally go insane. Yeah. Um, ooh. Okay. Uh, like you know, you just need to sort of like split your attention on two things to be able. It, this is at least how I work. I need to be able to split my attention on two things so that I can sort of like bounce back and forth to keep some sort of forward momentum. Um, and without that, like, I am doomed. So I spend the first, like, hour and a half of my work day just trying, like, desperately Googling, like, how do I fix this? My life is over. Um, <laughs> kind of, like, I, it did get to the point where I hopped on my, like, Verizon. Like, I logged into myverizon.com to see how long it was until I could upgrade my phone. Like, I don't know, man. Maybe it's just time for a new phone. <laughs> and, and it's too far away. Definitely. Uh, yes. Um, so eventually what I was able to do is a guy at the office had some super glue at his desk. I put some super glue on the ins. I, I took a, a Bic pen apart. The, the pen tube, like the ink tube is narrow enough to sort of like get in there and actually fit around like the little bit of broken off, um, headphone bit. I'm using yep. all the wrong terms here, but you know what I mean. Uh, so uh -huh. I put, yeah, I put super glue on the inside of that thing like very gingerly like fit it over the broken piece and just waited and crossed my fingers for about two minutes and just popped the whole thing out. It was great. That seems like, oh, well, like I said, the, the, the super that seems was like a inside. kind of an all or nothing solution. Like you really, that was a real Hail Mary. It seems like, well, I mean, if it was, that had not worked, right. It was the thing is it was already kind of broken. Right. So, right. I either fixed it or, it continued to be broken in a different way. And yeah, I could have waited till the end of the day and gone to the Apple store. I made an appointment to do that, but I was way too impatient. <laughs> uh, anyway, I did actually end up going to the Apple store later because I realized in this moment, like, I just got to get some Bluetooth headphones. I cannot risk this ever happening again in my life. Well, uh, yeah, glad that all worked out for you. Uh, yeah, but it was, a, it was a pretty wild, you know, I mean, not... Not wild in the grand scheme of things, but it was at least an unusual morning. And I thought I would share that with you, Dave, and also our listeners. Now, Dave, what is our fifth and final Star of the Week? Oh, Matt. Speaking of sporting events for which I am legitimately excited. Oh, yeah. Olympics are coming up. It's uh, We've got like four days, I think. I think the opening ceremonies are this upcoming Friday, which means that I have got four days to figure out how to watch the Olympics. You know, this is always the thing that comes up, and it's once every two years, and you just got to figure out, like, I only want one channel of cable for two weeks. I, I know. Please, it's just like, like guys. Please just let me give you, let me give the Olympics $20, and so I don't like, have to do all of this nonsense. Like, how is this still a thing that I've got to sign up for a whole, like, NBC, you broadcast the Olympics every year. Let me just give you, like, $50 and just let me watch the, or $100. I will give you $100. Let me just watch the Olympics. I don't want anything else. Like, that's all I want. Just give me, like, a login to a, your website so I can just do it. And let me give me, make, make an Xbox app so I can watch it on my TV. Just, like, just let me watch the Olympics. That's all I want. 
Like, and don't make me, I'm going to have to like buy a VPN to like watch it from England or something stupid. Oh, I, I did that one one time. That was, yeah, that, mean, was that was a know. desperation year to be sure. I just, like, I just want to watch the Olympics. So they're in Korea this year, South Korea, uh, cell phone Korea, yeah. uh, as my, as our buddy Mike calls it, uh, best Korea. So, <laughs> um, which is actually going to in... be very exciting because our sister lived in South Korea for two and a half years, so she is super yeah. excited to watch the opening ceremony. And I guess, I guess, like North Korean athletes, like Korea is competing as like a unified nation, which there, is pretty wild. There are some things in which they're doing that. I think like maybe their hockey team or something. Something? I don't know. I think it's really cool. Basically, anything that indicates that North Korea and the rest of the world, particularly America and South Korea, might be cool is very, just really exciting. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun <laughs> moment for everybody. Um, and I am thinking about the Olympics, uh, and now I'm thinking about last the last Winter Olympics, and just the dumpster fire that Sochi was. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the weird like hellish styrofoam hotels that all the athletes were living in um man 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 just the Sochi olympics sure were a thing they um, sure but, were dave remember the one I who am. got like trapped in his bathroom and had to break the wall down or, yeah, I just had to, like, punch the door till it broke. <laughs> um, no, I am. I, I, man, I love the Olympics. We talked about it before. Uh, I just love, I, I love international competition. I really, you know, I just really dig it, and I'm excited for the Winter Olympics. And I think, because there's a lot of really cool sports. Yeah. I that, mean. That aren't I, I, figure skating. I love the Winter Olympics. I love how large a percentage of the Winter Olympic sports are controlled falling. <laughs> like like all like the skiing and bobsledding and luging and skeletoning like and you know there are five different versions of skiing it's all just okay you're at the top of the hill you need to get to the bottom of the hill quickly and alive go for I, it dude i can't believe that skeleton is a real event that just seems like we just shouldn't be encouraging that for anyone Hey man, you know it's uh, it's it's maybe not the most dangerous Olympic event. You know, I don't think that that's true. I mean, I can't think of any. Maybe archery archery can be more dangerous if it goes real bad. I, yeah, if you switch up the target with an actual living human being. Sure, sure, sure. No, I'm pretty sure maybe skeleton the same is way. the worst. It's called skeleton, Matt. Yeah. Well, listen. Um, I why is it called skeleton? Is it just like, hey, this is the thing you are risking? I, dude. Yeah, maybe it's like, hope you have this by the end. I don't know. I'm on the Wikipedia page, and uh, it doesn't seem to say. It's just it's like, well, it's just called skeleton because. Well, Dave, that's, I don't know. I think it's horrifying. That is a true mystery. And let us let us move on, Dave, to discussing another thing that is often a true mystery Wait, to us, Dave. Dude, Matt, hold up. Sorry. Dave, According you, to you Wikipedia, have ruined a beautiful transition into the episode. Yeah, no, no, no. It was good. I want you. I just want you to know, Matt, that I didn't do it like willy nilly. You just need, and everyone needs to know this. According to Wikipedia, during elite racing, the skeleton, the athlete 
the rider experiences forces up to 5G and reaches speeds over 80 miles per hour. Head first on a sled. My phone only gets 4G. I just... Holy crap! It was in the Olympics in 1928 and 1948 as well. And then they stopped. Probably because a man died. Maybe. You know, the idea of... And then they brought it back. The idea of 2018 skeleton is crazy enough. The idea of 1928 skeleton (laughs) is madness to me. (laughs) It's just... Someone's... They have to have stopped it. That I don't even know. Like, I don't even know how to handle that. I'm so gobsmacked. Um, Anyways, Matt... If you, please, I won't interrupt you again. Go ahead. Oh, I, I let's just go watch the episode now. Woo. Okay. <laughs> okay, welcome back. So we've just finished watching episode 13, Illusion, the Dog of the Gods. An episode in which the Dog of the Gods is featured prominently. Illusions, not at all. Yeah, just nothing. I... <sighs> Unless the dog was an illusion, but that was never even alluded to. No, okay. I I just can't... I can't address it, Matt. I don't have... That particular tank of, like, commentary on Super Sentai is empty and will probably (laughs) never be full again. It's like, if I tried to... It would just take too much mental effort to continue to comment on things like that. Uh, there's just there's no illusions there's no illusions in the episode guys uh so the episode does start off with what i thought were hot springs uh it turns out to not be the case it's just like a steaming mountain yeah you know mountains with steam uh this is yeah. this is uh, up on mount fuji or like surrounding yeah. mount fuji uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I was watching as I was watching the episode. It was something that they 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 didn't do in the subtitles, but I I was reminded of when I was actually listening to it. Is that Fuji Mount Fuji is referred to as Fujisan, like it has an honorific, mm-hmm. which I just like. That's not a joke. I just think it's totally rad that they just gave the mountain an honorific. It's super cool. It is very cool. So. This week's mod this is actually a little bit unusual in the pacing of this episode because the very first thing we see is the monster for this week. Uh, yes, his name is Barra Magma, uh, which I abbreviate to BM in my notes, which made me laugh the entire time I was writing them down. That's appropriate, yeah. So Barra Magma is, he looks like a fire hydrant, kind of. He looks like if a fire hydrant was also really into digging. Because yes. he also has like a jackhammer and a shovel. and He has a jackhammer and he has a shovel. And he has like one of his shoulder pauldrons is like a warning sign. Like, don't go past here. But that's not the most interesting thing about Bear Magma's look. Uh, what, what is, Dave? So the most interesting thing I think about Bear Magma's look is that on top of Barra Magma, oh, you know what, Matt? Sorry, I am looking at the the fan art, or not the fan art, the concept art, and the fact that he looks like a fire hydrant, I think, is just sort of like coincidental. I think he's actually supposed to be like a furnace, like a oh, steam furnace okay, or something. Okay, that makes sense. Which makes a lot more sense. But the most interesting thing about Barra Magma, yes, I said that right, is that I. 
I'm pretty certain that Paramagma is not the actual monster, because on top of Baramagma's head is another tinier Baramagma with, like, controls. Okay, this is something I was trying to figure out the whole time. Uh, So, as you say, Baramagma has, like, a little Baramagma, like, on his head, who has sort of the sort of controls that you would have if you were controlling, like, a... Not a forklift. If you were controlling like a backhoe or something. Like those sorts yeah, of controls. Yeah, a crane or something yes. like that. Like a bunch of levers. And then also right in front of him, like coming up from Baramagma's helmet, is like a targeting reticle. Like an... Okay? Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm fairly certain that, that Baramagma is not what we're looking... Like, I don't think the big thing is Baramagma. I think the Baramagma is the little guy on top. Sure, and he's riding like a, what is to him a giant mecha, but is to us just like a human-sized thing. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm so deeply in love with that, I kind of don't know how to handle it. Yeah, there was a moment where I thought that instead of that, it was like an Acha Kocha situation where like they were just like, there was a big guy and a little guy who were buddies, but I think you're right. I think that this is just a tiny man riding a larger man or riding a yeah. larger robot. Right. I don't think we're in like a war star situation here. No, I so, think we are in a Ultramagnus situation. Uh-huh. 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 So, um he's got like he's got like a big like steam drilled thing and he is digging into the the surface of this mountain and like he just he digs down to lava, which which is not uh, that dark, far down as it turns out. Yeah, it turns out it's, like, right there, which I'm pretty sure is not the case uh, in Mount Fuji, but I looked this up because of this episode. I didn't know this. Mount Fuji is 100% still an active volcano. Yeah, I also had to look that up, because I I assumed that anything that they were saying about Mount Fuji, they weren't just going to make up, because anyone oh, yeah, in Japan I, I watching figured it that would was the know case. that they had made it up. Um, yeah, but I But I am know. still kind of amazed. Um, I assume that Tokyo has some sort of plan for, like, when Mount Fuji erupts. Who knows? I don't know if that's the sort of thing you can have a plan for. Like, it's a volcano. I don't know. I don't know. It seems... They seem okay. Yeah. So, they're smart people. So, uh... So, there's like he... There's like an eruption, basically. Like, there's a tremor, presumably because of, like, whatever it is the Baramagma is doing. And... We flip over and we see this dude has gotten like trapped under some rocks or he, he's injured in some way. Okay. Yeah. Oh, by the way, in this explosion, also like a couple of the Barra soldiers get caught in the explosion and get blown to oh, pieces. Oh, yeah. Thank you. So we, we see this guy and he is, he's trapped. Like he's clearly injured something. And this dog shows up, like this German shepherd kind of like runs up and like looks at the guy and the guy's like, get help, which. It's sort of like a weird thing to yell at a random dog. Like, just go, like, get help. Um, but it works out. It does, it does. This is not just any dog, you may have guessed, um, from the title. Yes. So, uh, but the dog does. The dog goes and, the dog goes and gets help. Yeah, I, I uh, wonder, it, Dave, and this is not anything to do with the episode itself, but this dog looks like it might be, because if you remember from Cocky Ranger, there were a couple of episodes with, like, Two I thought the German exact shepherds. Same thing, like, is yeah. this Taro or Jiro from one of those episodes of Cocky Ranger? I, you know, obviously the German shepherds kind of 
all look the same. Um, but well, I had the exact same thought. I, I wager that it was probably one of those dogs. So we flip from there to the chief. We're just we're back at Ranger Base, and the chief is saying like, "Yeah, this is really weird." There's a lot of uh, fluctuations in the crust, like tremors, I assume, is what he's talking about. Um, so he's like, you guys need to go check it out. Like, just go see, like, go see what's going on. This isn't even necessarily, like, O-Ranger stuff. But it Like, is, it could just be yeah. tremors, but, like... But in any case, it's a problem. So, yeah, like, go get eyes on this situation. Yeah, yeah. So they all drive out there. And what I want to mention here is that they have all already transformed into their O-Ranger costumes. I mentioned that, too, and I think it's really cool. It, okay, it is cool, but it's so weird because sometimes they show up and they fight a monster for 10 minutes before they transform. And sometimes they transform before they leave the house, and it seems kind of random. Uh, okay, yeah, that is true. The thing I really dig about it is that because they took the time to establish in the very first one or two episodes that that transforming into an O-Ranger, like activating the Cherokee transformation, is not an easy thing. Mm-hmm. And it's actually like pretty taxing on the on their for like on their bodies to to maintain that form. I really like that they're just like, oh yeah, man, just like just do it ahead of time and like be ready to roll. It just like it it, it demonstrates the character arc of like they're they're oh, yeah. leveling up basically. Oh, is that what is I'm cool. Saying. Um. So, anyways, they just they show up and they're all they look super cool and they're on their motorcycles, and they say, all right, we're gonna like split up and everybody kind of fan out and see what's going on. So, they do that. And then uh, we get Momo. So, this is going to be a Momo-centric episode. Yeah. And by Momo-centric, you mean that for most of the episode, she is the only person in it. Yeah. It was pretty wild. Now, the only thing that's, that I'm a little bummed out about this is it is a Momo-centric episode, but I don't feel like we get a lot of character development about Momo. She's just the only one that's there. I was hoping for a little bit more like inside in her character. That's true. I mean, we we do get to see her hit people very hard, and that's cool. Yeah, she's just really, really hard, which is okay. Great. So she she sort of separates off from the pack. Um, she's going to check out, you know, a different area, and she is attacked by Bear Magma. Mag- Bear Magma shoots these like magma missiles at her. She gets knocked off of her motorcycle. She actually gets knocked like out of her transformation. So she's just rolling around like in her jumpsuit. Uh, she loses one half of her. Like, you know, because the, the transformation bracelets, they need to have both of them, but one yeah. of them gets knocked off. Ooh. Which she, uh, oh, actually, uh, I don't know that they ever gave us the name for these things. They do finally mention it at the very end of the episode, and it's just called the Power Brace. Yeah. Which I don't think, did we have a name for these things before? I don't I don't think they had ever mentioned it. I don't it, think, it's, it's, no, because in this moment, I went to go write, like, oh, she lost her whatever, and then I realized I had no idea what to put in my notes. <laughs> Me too. Um, so she loses it. My notes literally say, loses her, dot, 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 charger? What are those called? So it's a power brace. Yeah, she does, I, I did come up with a name when she got knocked off of her bike, which is that I'm going to now refer to it as the Momo Motorcycle. Yes, please do that thing. So she is, she kind of, she does some fighting. Um, like she gets attacked and she runs. She Oh, by the way, um, she hurts her knee, her knee, or no, her ankle, sorry. Her ankle, yeah. She hurts her ankle. So she's sort of like running away. She like gets in a couple of shots as she's, as she's running. Uh, she sees the dog 
I just assumed, by the way, that the dog was leading her to the dude that we saw at the very beginning of the episode. That doesn't happen. Like, only in retrospect did I realize that the dog must have just gotten that dude help off camera. Because every time she's following the dog for the next five minutes, I'm thinking, oh, now we're finally going to see the dude and she's going to rescue him. No, that dude is fine. He's home with his family. Yeah. So they are the way in which she is hiding from these Barra soldiers who are coming after her. It looks like, hey, you remember the movie The Fellowship of the Ring? Yes. Uh, Yes. Well, the yes, I do. Um, I mean, I, I know you remember the book as well. I'm just, I was thinking of the movie. Um, when they are running away from the Nazgul, just as they're like getting out of the Shire. Yeah. And they're sort of like she, hiding, they're like hiding like, under, like under some like hiding roots, under roots and off, stuff, like just off the road, a little bit like down from it. Like that is what she is doing here. She is straight up Nazgul hiding. <laughs> um, I, what I was thinking of, Matt, is that all the places that she was hiding seemed like they're really strong with the dark side. Oh, That's yeah, where yeah. I was. Mm-hmm. Now, what, what, what's down there, Dave? Whatever you fear most, is that right? I, don't I think it's whatever you bring with you. Only what oh, you bring with you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're, you're right. Sorry, guys. <laughs> How could you, Dave? How I dare just... you forget a minor line from a 30-year-old movie? I guess I'm not a real nerd, Matt. Mm. Finally. We finally found you out, Dave. You you got me. And I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for those meddling kids. Uh, so so the, the dog um, shows up and sort of shows Momo like, hey, if you go, if you follow me sort of through this tunnel, this is like a secret path away from where the Barrow soldiers are looking for you. Right, and so she has a couple of close calls. Like they're kind of like sliding, they're like running like right past her, and she's like just behind something. Uh, but she does eventually. Well, it looks like she's going to get away, and then as she is running, she gets to like this waterfall cliff edge, and they do see her again. And she kind of like dives off, and it looks like she just gets into the water below uh, and then they dive off and follow her and then somehow she is she's not there she has actually managed to like give them the slip it it literally i have no idea how this happened like it looked like they were right after her i think what happened is that the waterfall has sort of like two levels yeah she only fell down to like the first level down and they went they thought she had fallen all the way down to the bottom uh so we see her she sort of like the the ferris soldiers by the way are just, like, thrashing around in the water. And I'm just thinking, like, dudes, you are robots. You are yeah, robots you that, like... Watch out. And, like, parts of you open up a lot. I see it. I know this is true. You are in danger. Yeah, you know, I think we would have just have to assume that self-preservation is not programmed into the Barra soldiers. Yeah, that seems reasonable. Because why would you bother to do that? So, no, we see, like, they are gone, and we see Momo, and she kind of, like, crawls to the edge and is like... Uh, and she collapses. So, so she passes out. The next thing that we see is this very peaceful field. And then we see this kind of log cabin. Everything is, is very cool. It's, it's really chill. And we see Momo and she's inside the cabin and she's hurt. She has hurt her foot. Like her foot is all wrapped up. Um, so I think Momo is probably thanking her lucky stars that she's not an author. Am I right, Matt? Right? Get it? 
right, that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh-huh. I, 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 uh, misery. Yes, I know what you're talking about. For a second, I was like, Dave, uh, I do not know how being an author could have affected this situation even a little bit. So anyways, um, we're talking about so a Kathy Bates situation here. Yeah, 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 yeah. With the sledgehammer. So she um, she kind of looks up and she sees that there's this older old man and what we would assume is his grandson. And yeah, it's his grandson. And he says, hey, it's everything is cool. You are you are in my mountain refuge. I just kind of come up here to be chill and I do ceramics. And, uh, you know, that's just my, that's kind of what just goes my, on. Just my regular old ceramic hut. Yeah. So actually, Matt, very briefly, I know this seems like a weird aside, but I did just find out something very cool about Japanese ceramics. Mm-hmm. There is this like particular ceramic style that is only produced in this like one village. And it's like this small village. And like the only people who like the whole village does it. And they're the only people who do it. Right. This particular Japanese style of oh, that's cool. pottery. And what's really cool is that when, <laughs> like, there is, like, a head potter for, like, each household. Uh-huh. And you train an apprentice. And when that apprentice is ready to start, like, you retire. Oh, really? So, like, there's, yeah. So, like, there's only ever, like, ten dudes. And, like, that is it. Full stop. Um, And I, I just thought that was really cool. So, anyways... This dude, he says, I come up here to do ceramics. My my grandson helps me, and uh, and you're cool. And she's like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much for saving me. And he says, and actually, it actually wasn't really us. It was the dog. Yeah, you know, the dog of the gods. Yeah, the dog of the gods. And she says, I'm sorry? And he says, well, he says, well, last spring, this dog just showed up. Kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, so like ever just since before these, all these... Like all these tremors have been starting. Yeah. And the dog just like finds people that are trapped or hurt and it leads other people to them. And... And we get a little like, flashback here of the dude from the earlier part of the episode like having people find him. And then, like, yeah, there's like one or two other people. Like we see this little montage. Uh, the kid whose name we don't know, he says, I call him Johnny. Which seems like a weirdly mundane thing for... Like a messenger like a divine, of the gods? Yeah, like a divine spirit dog. Just, I mean, whatever. Um, uh, oh, oh sorry. Dave, uh, this kid's name is Shota, I think. Shota, okay. Thank you. I must have missed that. So, oh, sorry. Real quickly, before before we uh, before we see this, there is a little thing that the Rangers have found Momo's. There's like a quick cutaway, and the Rangers have found Momo's bike. The Momo like, motorcycle. They find her bike. Yeah, that she the Momo motorcycle. Thank you. Uh, they re- they realize that she's not there. They're like everybody split up, and they try to call her on her her power brace. Yes, and. We flip back to Momo, and she now realizes that she only has half of it. Like, she just didn't notice before, I guess, when she's being chased. But she looks down, and she's like, oh, no, this is very bad. Uh, so so they're, they're searching around the cabin because, like, you know, maybe it just fell off or whatever. And they continue to talk about Johnny. And 
Shota asks Momo, like, oh, do you like dogs? And she says, yes, I love all animals, which is the one thing we learn about Momo this episode. <laughs> um, like, yes, I would love no to meet Johnny again. And as she is saying this, like, five Barra soldiers just bust in through this cabin. And when yeah, I say they pop up in, from the floor. It's great. Yeah, like, they're not coming in through the door. Like, they're coming in through the walls and through the floor and through the ceiling. And Momo just is like, oh, I do want to meet this dog again. But real quick, I do need to 100% wreck all of these fools. Yeah, and she destroys those nerds. It's great. Which, like, thinking about it, why, like, she ran away from about that many Barra soldiers earlier. I you know, man, she'd gotten hurt. She just lost her bike. She wasn't, she was a little disoriented. Now okay, she's that's had a rest. Her foot's wrapped up. Uh, and she's, she's ready to crush fools. So. And crush them, she does. And crush them, she does. Uh, we flip back, and Yuji, uh, there's their searching around. Yuji finds this open magma. Magma. Uh, finds this open magma. And he, like, calls the other rangers over, and he's like, Hey, um, I'm no vulcanologist. He doesn't say that. He says, but this doesn't seem right. Like, there should not be open lava flows on, on Fujizan. This is, this is a concern. True, very true. I mean, as, yeah. you, as you says, no, or as, as you say rather, no volcanologist. But this is not the sort of thing that requires an advanced degree. Yeah, uh, they do not address those concerns. What we do do is we flip right over to Johnny and Momo. Not Johnny, sorry, Shota. Shota and Momo, and Shota is just leading Momo through the woods, and he says, "Yeah, I see a weird guy over in this cave every now and again." Okay, so first of all, it's Bara Magma. That sure. he's referencing. Shota. Barrow Magma is not like a weird guy. He's a living furnace with a drill arm. <laughs> that's not... That's not like I saw a dude and he had a trench coat on. This is clearly a giant robot monster. But he says, I saw a weird guy. And it just... Okay. The Rangers are obviously public figures... It seems like they should have some sort of hotline, maybe? Yeah. Like, hey, I saw a, a giant furnace man with a shovel on hand. And a you tiny should... version of himself sticking out of his head. Yeah. You should come check it out. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they uh, don't have a phone up at this mountain retreat. Matt. I just... Sure. Maybe hey. that's why. Hey, listen, Dave. <laughs> Clearly, there was a reason he didn't try to get help. I'm just trying to exhaust all of our options. None, um, of, these, okay. none of these ideas are good. So, Maybe he fears electricity. I don't know, dude. Uh, <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, we live on the mountain because electricity, it'll get you. Although, um, maybe, okay, here's an option. Let me just full-on headcanon this. Uh, we haven't seen a a machine beast that is telephone-based, but by gum, I am sure that they were making them at the time. Maybe at one point, uh, Shota saw an evil telephone robot and thought, ooh, I don't want to go near those again. And so now, Actually, every t- time he sees a telephone, he just runs away from it. So he isn't able to contact them. So they're very lucky that the dog of the gods has brought Momo to him. I was... Okay, actually, 
given that all of the monsters are machine monsters living in like an off the grid log cabin with no power up in the mountains is probably your best bet. Yeah, dude. Listen, if if the machine empire ever really does take over, the last people they'll get are the Quakers. It's a well, the Amish, I think, is who you're referring to, Matt. It but is, yes, yes. Uh huh. So, um, Momo is trying to keep up with Shota, and he is not. He's not like looking behind him, and so he just gets to the cave. We cut away to Momo and uh, the dog, the dog of the gods, who I refuse to call Johnny. Uh, everybody else calls him Johnny. It's just such a dumb name for like a divine messenger. I can't handle it. So the dog of the gods shows up and he's got Momo's power brakes. And he just like drops it off and he's like, what's up? I got you. So she like hugs the dog and puts on the brace and then like immediately reports in. She's like, hey, uh, I got my thing. There's paranoia on the mountain. Watch out. She does not then tell them where she is. But I think there must be some sort of like. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we've actually established there. before yeah. that there is, like, a tracking device or something. So um, what we see... Shota has not waited up for her to have this exchange. He has continued to go on to the cave with all the evil robots in it. Yeah, he's uh, he's just going to handle it, man. Shota doesn't mess around. He's not going to handle it. He gets captured almost immediately. Yeah, because uh, it's, he... it's not just Bear Magma in there. It's also Prince Bulldog and Acha yep. and Kocha. And so we, we do find out, they're like, hey, is this... Bulldog is saying, hey, is this ready to go? Are we going to detonate this mountain? And Baron Magma says, like, yeah, I'm basically good. We've been, like, drilling all these holes. I just have to drop in, like, one super giant bomb. And Mount Fuji will then erupt. Prince Bulldog, first of all, that's a crazy good plan. Oh, yeah. Like, that's that's just a very, very good plan. Uh, I appreciate in my head there's kind of an arc to their plans, and it started off with, like, we're just going to send a big monster down, and it's going to, like, punch everyone in the face, and then we'll win. And then they were like, mm, that's not actually working out very well. And then they send in a handful of monsters that are, like, uh, weird subversive monsters. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, bar a copier, and, or bar a printer, rather. And, and those ones who are doing, like, mind control and a bunch of other weird things. Uh, and that doesn't work. And then they're just like, you know what? What if we just detonate a volcano? See, you deal with that, oh, Robo. So uh, I don't know if, like, that was in the heads of the writers, but I really dig it. Yeah, like... Because what's no- O-Robo going to do? Yeah, they can't beat O-Robo, so they're just trying to come up with problems to which O-Robo is not a useful solution. Yeah, it's fantastic. Like, so, make all of humanity hate their children, and so humanity will die out in 100 years. Oh, yeah, I forgot about... Amazingly, I forgot about that episode from last week. So, uh, but Shota, he, like, slips, or he, like, kicks a rock or something, and they, they notice that he's there. And they immediately capture him, because he's just a kid. Right. And uh, they're like, throw him in the lava! Uh, Bulldog specifically says, uh, melt his flesh and bones? Yeah, which is intense. Uh, fun fact, Matt. You know that you would not sink into lava? I mean, it's rocks. Right. You just, you know, like the movies show, you know, anybody time, anytime someone hits the lava, they just like sink into it and like melt die. It wouldn't happen. You just literally float on the top because it's still way denser than you. So anyways, so they are, they are about to do that. Toss Shoda into the liquid hot magma, that is. And the dog shows up. Dog shows up. Attacks Bear Magma. It's awesome. Yeah. Saves Shoda. Everything's cool. Dog of the Gods gets him away. Um, 
and we know that he is safe and that the robots had to retreat from this one dog because the next scene that we see is on the moon with Bulldog nursing his wounds. Dog of the gods, man. Let's okay, not. Sure, but still, man. Just saying. So, uh, yeah, so Prince Bulldog is uh, nursing his wounds. Empress Hysteria is furious with Acha and Kocha that they did not defend Bulldog. I'm not actually sure totally why she's mad aside from that, like, her plan seems to have hit a snag. Well, I think it's one of those things like Acha and Kocha were meant to be Bulldog's babysitter and Bulldog got attacked by a dog. So, you know, if you if you frame it that way, I get it. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. So we uh, we go down and we see that Bara Magma is still fighting the dog of the gods. Like there, he's like trying to attack him and he's like shooting blasts at him. I just want to say as a side thing. In in real life, this stunt dog is a very very brave, very very brave good boy. Oh yeah, I, I have that in my notes because they sh- they really are setting off explosions pretty close to this real dog. Yeah, and it's just like running around and like diving through smoke and like over fire and stuff. Like this dog rules. So they uh, Momo sees that the the dog of the gods is in danger. She runs to help. And, uh, but just before she gets there, there's a really big explosion. And then when the smoke clears, Dog of the Gods is gone. Yeah. I mean, not like, Dave is not using a euphemism. Johnny's just not there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. It's not like, oh, he's dead. No, he's literally just gone. Yeah. Um, Momo, but Momo fears the worst. And she is furious that they would dare to attack this amazing dog. Yeah, no, that's legit. Like... You can do almost anything in fiction, but like if you kill the dog, it's game over. Yeah. So nobody, she, she is no longer. Nobody wants that. She is no longer waiting for uh, the rest of her friends to show up. She henchins and just starts to murder these Barra soldiers because there's yeah, like she doesn't. There's like she maybe, doesn't say. I don't know what ten, twelve of them in between her and Barra Magma. And yeah, she like barely even pauses on her way. She's like kind of like knocking them out of her way. She's doing some, like, totally rad Tai Chi. Uh, she doesn't say, I'll never forgive you. But, but you like, know, it's yeah, implicit. You know in like, heart. yeah, like, I was literally waiting for her to say, I'll never forgive you. Uh, she doesn't, which kind of threw me for a loop. But, yeah, she's, so she's doing, like, combat Tai Chi. She's, like, spinning around and, like, hitting dudes with elbows and everything. It's totally rad. Uh, so she face, she does, she faces off with Barra Magma. Uh, and she's doing um, super well. The problem is that she still does have that like an, in, that injured ankle, rather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, kind of right as she is about to to finish finish him off, she like it kind of catches up with her. She drops to a knee. Barak Magma gets off a couple of shots, and then Momo like stands and does like just like some Tai Chi moves to like center herself, I guess. And then she's like cool again. Uh-huh. And she lets off her two her two cool attacks we've never seen before. It is a miracle miracle qigong shot. Uh, Dave, I'm sorry. It is flashing colon miracle qigong shot. Oh, I missed the flashing. Oh, I feel bad now. <laughs> flashing miracle qigong shot, and it's literally like she kind of hadokens him with yeah. like pink. Uh, yeah, and then she does another attack called Hurricane Choriki Defensor, which. I think it's called that because she uses her shield. Yeah. It is, and if you recall from earlier episodes. The, yeah, it's not a 
defensive yeah. move. That shield is called the Cherokee Defensor. Oh, that's right. So it is the Hurricane Cherokee Defensor, and she like kind of holds the shield and like f- spin flies at Baramagma with like the shield out front. Uh, it's it's very cool. It is a very good move. If you if you played the uh, the Power Rangers mobile fighting game. Uh, this is something not. that uh, the Zeo Ranger version of Cat did as one of her like four moves. Oh, cool. Okay, so he uh, Baramagma isn't. This doesn't knock him out completely. He he gets a couple of shots off, but it's not really enough. The rest of the Rangers arrive, and they. I don't think they even fight him at all. I think they immediately just. I don't know. That's not true. They do like a single flying kick at him, they, and they, then they just call the Choriki mobiles. Dude, they pose at him so hard. It's yeah, they crush him. There's it. like a lightning behind. There's like a lightning flashing like in Goro's face mask, like in the shape of the star. It's very good. So they call the Choriki mobiles, um, but they don't form O Ranger Robo yet. They drop the giant roller. Yeah, Which, they do remind us that that toy exists. Uh-huh. And it's kind of a shame because I know that they just use the same stock footage for this thing every time. And it's a shame because otherwise this would have been a very cool moment for Momo to get in the giant roller. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been a bummer. You know, okay. So obviously they're just reminding us that this toy exists. But they don't just call O-Phoenix. Who, O-Phoenix carries the giant roller. They don't call O Phoenix and then they do the giant roller and then it's and then they defeat the monster and the monster goes giant and then they call the rest of the Choriki mobiles. They just call all of the Choriki mobiles and then they use giant roller. And I in my head the Choriki mobiles are just kind of off to the side, just chilling. Oh sure. Because you know that like the giant roller isn't gonna be enough. You know the monster's gonna get giant and you're gonna form O Robo. Yeah, but I guess they want to, like, I don't know. They got this big wheel, dude. Maybe, maybe honestly, maybe riding in the big wheel is really fun. <laughs> and Goro's in charge, and he doesn't have a lot of hobbies. And they're like, okay, like, this is the, his one joy in life, is riding in the giant wheel. Let's just do that, it. I hope that that is the reason, and that he refuses to acknowledge that that is the reason. He's like, that he's trying to come, like, afterwards, like... Uh, Goro, did we really need to use Giant Roller? We could have just, we could have just done a Robo, and he's desperately trying to like freestyle a reason as to why they needed to use Giant <laughs> Roller first. So they they form a Robo, who I'm a little disappointed with. O Robo, like he's fine, but he's not much of a character. Now, admittedly, we are just coming off of Kaku Ranger, where in. Uh, you know, like the three giant robots were actually the, like the spirits yeah. of the ancient general kings. Yeah. So, so like, I get that that's like a very high bar, but, but the fact that a robot is like literally just kind of a giant robot is, is kind of a bummer. Um, so they, they do the Moa cannon, uh, to kind of like knock Baramagma off his feet. They summon Crown Sword, and I, this is great. They do slice off the real Baramagma, like off the top of the giant robot Baramagma. Yeah. And then they do Crown Riser, and then that's the end of everything. Um, I, Man, you know, it makes me wonder what happens to the... No, they, they pretty much cut the little dude in half. They don't just, like, separate him from the big Yeah, thing. no, he's gone, man. Like, that's... uh, It's pretty brutal. So... 
the next thing we see, like immediately afterwards, like I don't think there's even a commercial break, is that we see Momo calling for Johnny. Like I think just desperately hoping he's okay. He's obviously okay. Yeah. As soon as I saw her calling for Momo, I just typed in my notes, Johnny is okay, of course. I did not wait for Johnny to actually arrive. Yeah. Because obviously he's fine. Yeah. So uh, Momo is calling for and Shota is also calling for uh, Johnny. They did they did draw it out a little bit longer than I thought they would. Like for a hot second, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Is he not fine? No, he's he's totally fine. So he appears not like next to them. He's just sort of like up on a mountain ridge. Um, and he looks down at them. And I think it's Goro says like, yeah, he probably was sent by the gods. Which is like, you know, cool. Sure. Why not? Wait, like that's a real big thing to just drop. And he's very comfortable like laying that out there. Yeah, that's like, this is not a, uh. He's not like, hmm, I wonder if, maybe, just maybe. Nah, he's just like, yeah, it's, he's probably just the gods. Yeah, seems right. And then Johnny goes away, and I, I get the impression that because they have defeated Bear Magma, and Mount Fuji is no longer, like, in danger, that Johnny is no longer needed to help people, like, rescue fallen climbers. So Johnny's yeah. just peacing out. Well, my, my assumption, kind of at the... At the end of this episode is that Johnny is in like like the spirit of Mount Fuji or or like some element of that that like this is Fujisan like defending itself yeah in the form of this dog which I thought was uh, which I thought was pretty cool so and then that's it that's yep. it everybody's cool dog lives hooray. And that is the end of the episode. But David, is not the end of our episode. Because first, you and I need to determine where uh, Bear of Magma would fare in the Creature Royale. Okay, well let me first say, I really like Bear of Magma. I love his plan. I love that his plan is like not nuanced at all. It's like literally just detonate a volcano. Uh-huh. I love that he is a tiny robot piloting a larger robot that then becomes what I would that's assume big. is like a human-sized robot piloting a giant robot. That That is uh, a that's big, big plus in Baron Magma's uh, favor. Yeah, so I'm definitely thinking top top half minimum. But, man, that's, there's a, with the inclusion of Baron Magma, there's 120 monsters on the Creature Royale now. So top half just means that he's above 60. Uh, so the very bottom, maintaining almost incredibly at the middle of the pack are the uh, are the jewelry priestesses. Ah, uh, yes. Well, I, I From like Dire Magma. I, okay, it's been a while. I like all of those three together. I think that Baron Magma is better than any one of them individually. Well, you know, that is always, anytime you're like right in that zone, that's the question. Because they do operate as a unit and they are actually very cool as a unit. So the question is, is is he cooler than all three of them put together? Okay, now I might say yes, but I'm looking right below um, the Jewelry Priestesses. And at number 64, we have the Copy Empress. Who I love. And I'm not sure that I like... Bear a magma more than the copy empress. 
Well, just underneath that, we're looking at uh, Sunakake Baba, the sandwich with the magic boobs. Oh, I think I like them better than that. Okay, well, if you're not, if you don't like her as much as, if you don't like him as much as Copy Empress, but you do like him more than Sunakake Baba, the only question there is better or worse than uh, Kanagama, which is the slot machine monster from Conquer Ranger that had like the weird um, bad luck coins. Oh, right. And he would go around and like curse a family with bad luck and then get them to pay him to get to rid remo- of that yeah, bad remove luck. remove the bad luck. Which is a weirdly like small-minded petty plan. Well, you know, a lot of the Cocker Ranger, like we are, now that we're in in O-Ranger, the plans I think of the Bar- Baranoi Empire is much larger. The Cocker Ranger monsters, a lot of them were just like, make people miserable. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Um, and that was kind of the whole plan. So, I mean, so better or worse than Kanagama, I think cooler. I like. I think I like Baramagma better. I'm just really in love with, with detonating a whole mountain. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that he lands right there. So, okay, so better than Kanagama the slot machine monster, but not as good as Copy Empress. So that puts him in our list at number 65. And that, Matt, is the end of our episode. Yes, Dave, that is going to do it for another episode of For Your Eyes, O-Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you that you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Uh, rate review on Apple Podcasts or whatever it is that you get the show. Um... The Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. To listen to any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can do so at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we will see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.